What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. I apologize for the gaps in podcasts. I've been weak. I've been weak. I've been, yeah, I have been weak. I've been sick for like a whole week, and it has sucked tremendously. And um, yeah, I feel I feel better now. I still have the sniffles. I had the sniffles in the podcast that I did a couple a few days ago. Um, so that might be annoying. Hopefully not. But you can hear me uh, sniffing it out the entire podcast. So um, yeah. So kind of look over that. But uh, just like I did there. Look at that. I'm still, <laughs> my nose is still draining. Oh, anyway. Um, yeah. So I am, uh, I'm on my way to get more podcasts out to you guys. I had a minor setback when I did a podcast with a really good friend of mine and I got back and I couldn't get the mics going and all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to save this audio file, throw it over here, restart the program, boom, just drag it back in, load it up, and there's nothing on the file. No audio, no nothing, and I, that was, that was it. I mean, that's how I backed it up. I copied it to the desktop, and then that was the copy. Nothing in there. Awesome. Sweet. Uh, so that sucked cause it was actually, it was, it was really good and I enjoyed myself thoroughly on that podcast and, uh, yeah, so sucks. What are you going to do? Uh, keep moving on. And so here we are on to the next one. And, uh, before we get into it, uh, just a big shout out to our sponsors. Like I've said before, all of them, uh, are involved in paintball one way or the other. So I think that's pretty cool. And uh, that's, this is how you do it, man. You, you, you help each other out. And I'm, I'm very happy to be working with the, uh, the following companies. Uh, Melavio, guys, I know CBD out there right now is everywhere. You can find it, at least over in Ohio, you can find it at like the family video, which is crazy, or CVS, or name your gas station on the corner. You can find CBD. But whether or not you can justify if that CBD product is actually good CBD for you um, or knowing where it comes from or its source or anything like that, good luck. Uh, but what I can tell you is that Melovio, they produce their product. They make their product and they are very proud of what they do. I uh, very much enjoy the uh, the topical salve. I have some of my teammates on Brimstone trying it out, seeing what they think. But uh, man, on on joints, on achy muscles, on just your body in general, wherever you want to lather it, it's up to you. But it makes you feel good. It relieves pain for me. Uh, it soothes achy joints, and we all know. Since we enjoy the mechanical side, you're probably older. So I would say try it out, man. It works really good. You know, you're not getting any younger, even for you young cats out there. Um, we all get sore, man. We're all athletes or have been athletes at one point in time in our lives. So make sure you give it a shout. Give it a shout, meaning Melavio. 
hit their website up. They have all kinds of ways to uh, to take in the CBD, CBD whether it be edibles, um, whether it be the topical salve. They have tinctures. Uh, they have bath bombs for your lady friends or the dudes who take a bath. I'm not judging. I enjoy a bath everyone now and then. So, yes, uh, they also have CBD for your pets. So make sure you check it out. Uh, that's Melavio, M-E-L-L-O-V-E-O.com. And if you want 15% off your entire order, tippity type in capital T-P-O-P and you will get that. So thank you to Melavio. Uh, we are also brought to you by Mr. Charm City Paintball, Mike Thompson himself. He is the, as I've said it many times before, head game guru. Head game guru. Head game guru, Mike Thompson. Um, in my head, I feel like I always mess that up, but it's head game guru. It kind of rolls off the tongue. Anyway, uh, he makes all kinds of awesome headbands and head wraps, uh, as well as some, uh, he has made some pack bands for me, which have been awesome. It came out really, really great. Um, but everything he makes is 10 or less usually runs of that particular, uh, pattern or style that he has of the fabric but what ends up happening is that every one of these are just unique to themselves one of one pieces because Mike cuts everything out of the it's all fabric man it's it's all great stuff nothing is sublimated uh, everything is the true fabric that's why it wears so well stays tight on your dome and uh, and it just it wears not only wears well but also wears out well. Um, it ages well. It's like a fine wine. But check him out. Uh, like I said before, too, if you guys are looking for some custom work, he is open for that. Just hit him up on Facebook or Instagram and let him know that Carl from the Playing Out Podcast sent you over there. Thank you, Mike. Uh, also, big shout-out to Halo Sports Drink. Guys, we are all thirsty, thirsty, thirsty. And we're looking for some uh, some electrolytes, some nutrients, some stuff that just plain old water doesn't really do. At least for me, I need I like water, but I need some flavor. I need some I need some juice, but I don't need all the sugar and everything that is added to all these other sports drinks. Um, I need those those electrolytes that are so much needed when you're out there running around scooting across the ground or shooting from the back center everybody breaks a sweat in different ways so uh make sure you guys check them out that's halosport.com uh they have i'll just I'll, I'll do a little read for you how about this nobody likes to be dehydrated as it can lead to headaches fatigue crankiness brain fog muscle cramps dry skin and i can go on and on uh, as we know the list is long and although it's relatively simple to address, 75% of us are dehydrated all the time. This is where Halo comes in. Formulated by the brightest minds in science, medicine, sports, and nutrition, Halo's proprietary blend of electrolytes, vitamins, and essential trace minerals helps defend dehydration by rapidly replenishing what you've lost through a grueling workout, a long flight, or just the daily grind, or shooting people on a paintball field. Whatever you do, you'll break a sweat and you need to replenish. Uh, to feel good always, to feel great more often, this is what Halo does. Um, like I've said before, guys, they source all of their natural occurring electrolytes from great 
Salt Lake of Utah, and uh, and they deliver bioavailable efficient hydration. It's uh, there's also needed. There's also only in tiny amounts the trace minerals are uh, that are crucial to the health and development of our body. Um, it's it's great stuff, guys. Make sure you, you check out all their flavors too, because I have uh, I have their stuff brought up right now. They have pink lemonade, pineapple, tangerine, blood orange, uh, regular lemonade. They have cans. They have the on the go packets. Uh, I currently have the sport variety pack that I'm. Uh, ingesting at the moment but if you uh, if you guys get to the, the the point where you want to try it out it's all online only at the moment go ahead and uh, type in capital TPOP and you'll get 10% off of your order uh, I enjoy it it's great there's only two grams of sugar uh, the less sugar the better for me since I love ice cream and fucking candy and everything else that's shitty for you um, this is my intake of sugar that I try and have for the day but um, but yeah thank you to Halo Sport alrighty there's our reads and now to uh, to the main event guys um, my guest is a very special friend of mine that I've known for many years he was one of the guys on excessive that uh, who really took me under his wing and really molded me, spent extra time on just honing in on my skills and growing me as a player. And I'm, I'm just truly uh, thankful for the time that I got to spend on the team uh, with this gentleman and with the other teammates, as I think if it weren't for that, I wouldn't be the player I am today. Um, but yeah, this uh, this podcast is with Micah McLaughlin. I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy it. Uh, so here it is. What's up? Oh, can you hear me? Okay, I've never uh, worn microphone headphones before. Oh, welcome to 2021. It's crazy. Technology is insane now. Take me back. <laughs> How are you? I am good. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm honored to be interviewed. Oh, I'm not interviewing. I'm just. We're just talking, bro. I haven't done one of these yet. <clears throat> no. No. You got a good, uh, healthy collection back there. Yes, it's getting there. Fine. You're, you're right there. Wait, I got. I have at least. I have two of yours. Oh, really? You got to see this. This will blow your mind. Uh, this is probably a better set to do it on. So these are all jerseys, and I have paid for one of them. I have only traded. Here's 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 the one. Ooh, that's the one. And then there's another one I used to wear a lot because I still play paintball a lot. And then uh, your name started to peel off, so I said I can't do that anymore. I hate it when that happens. Oh, there it is. It's the old ones because they were cool. Ooh. See, like the nine, yeah. It's it, it looks really weathered now too. Mm-hmm. It didn't have that white stuff on it before. But I was like, I can't wear that anymore. Oh, that's a hot one. Yeah, but it also makes me sad because that is. I was going through the whole like 
the teams and all that. And then that makes me sad because Aftershock or uh, Avalanche is the team I went to after Team Fun. I am familiar with the, uh, <laughs> with the timeline. <laughs> but I would, it, it's something that I would also like to kind of, what's that? I was grumpy too back then. Oh, that's okay. You had good reason though. <laughs> yeah. I well, I didn't even know. I didn't know the whole story too of exactly like what. Uh, I wasn't much behind the scenes. I was, but I I, I wasn't really involved in any of like the decision making or even the rambunctiousness of everything. I was kind of caught in the middle. And as a kid too, I'm like, I was so naive about everything. And somebody waves, you know, waves a paycheck in my face. And at the time when you're not making any money, really doing it, it's like. Uh, well, uh, it's it was it was a re- very very tough decision, that's for sure. Yeah, and did you see that money eventually? I actually did. For it was, I think it was a two year contract. Um, but it was 2008 happened, so money kind of ran out in a lot of places, and then Ed started making uh the Lucky Barrels. So I started. Uh, I got a few of those, but then that kind of that kind of ran out and. Well, the yeah. original deal is you're going to have your own like line or signature series of of barrels, work, barrels and other stuff too, right? Yeah. So myself, Danny, and uh, Brandon Mayo, we all had our line of Lucky Barrels, like custom Lucky Barrels that we had made, and there was only like X amount made that were trying to. Ed was kind enough to try and replace that uh, that you know physical monetary something you know paycheck that we were getting with a with a barrel compensation to uh to kind of fill that void and you know it was nice for a little bit but then it was it was i couldn't really you know sell it was probably on me i probably just wasn't very good at selling barrels uh so i'll take it he promises you money he's the 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 marketing behind it he should be he should be the one pushing it well i could have been not such a little you know, dickhead and, you know, done my job a little bit better. If I wanted to get paid, I could actually work for it instead of just being a little moochie nooch. Yeah. So how you been, man? What's, uh, what's new? Uh, uh, nothing. Same shit. Got, uh, got married to two kids, an eight and a four year old, uh, paintball field. Year old. Yeah. And a four year old. Jeez. Your kids. Uh, they are, I'm trying to get your settings. I can hear you a little bit better. Um, five and two. Okay, and they're both boys, yeah. Uh, my oldest is a boy, and my youngest is a two-year-old who is turning twenty-two. <laughs> She's insane. What makes her insane? Besides being a Markowski. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, first off, she uh. She's everything opposite that my son is. Uh, pretty much meaning, my son is he's like he's very emotional. He wears like his heart on his sleeve. He's just he's a sweetheart. You know he shares. <laughs> and my daughter is everything everything opposite of what I just said. Should like, she's like she, but then she's like a sour patch kid. She's like exactly what those commercials are where like she'll push you down, but then she'll help you back up, but then she'll push you down again. And she's just like, she she's her scream is like, just right at that 
sound barrier point before it like bursts your eardrums and but she's like she's uh she's jumping off of trees and she's just this crazy little monkey person but she's adorable and um it, 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 like she tortures my five-year-old because she like he just wants to hold her hand when they're falling asleep together and she'll just like no no <laughs> but then she'll share like toys and stuff with them she's yeah Oops. they're insane sorry for my sniffles and my it's like the whole i was the last <laughs> one <laughs> what's that the hong kong flu oh my god dude <laughs> um i don't think it's that i'm not really running a fever or anything but well i got my first shot but my son had it first and i think he brought it home from school um but my son had it like the sniffles and everything they started having this cough and then my daughter got it and then my uh my wife had it and i was the last one like holding out like i haven't gotten sick yet i must i'm like taking all my vitamins i'm like you know going around like this just trying to kissing my kids with uh you know plastic gloves on and shit but um sure shit i uh today i ended up feeling like crap take do you think flu or covid I'm pretty sure that it's a cold. I'm going to say a cold. I don't think it's COVID. The symptoms aren't matching up, even though they're slightly similar. They're just not like, um, they're not matching can, up. Huh? You can still smell things. So far. I'm I'm, do, I'm doing the, t- the taste test with a little tea. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's tea. I can taste the, I can taste the honey. You from Ireland. <laughs> 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 Uh, it's good. I've been drinking a lot more tea lately, though. It's delicious. It is. It's quite a popular drink, I'm told. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude. Um, thank you, first off, for doing this. I know we're like yeah. uh, almost ten minutes in, but uh, I've been wanting to sit down and talk to you for a long time about everything. Even it's interesting also to hear different people's perspectives, especially when you played on, uh, you know, a big team like excessive. And I mean, you played for a lot of big teams, but excessive in general, just because we have we both experienced it at the same time uh, at two different levels. But it's it's always interesting to me to really kind of hear the other side of the door on on issues and on things that were happening and maybe things that were known that were happening that weren't known to everybody yet or the mindsets and everything. And as you know, thinking about you with I mean, you essentially started excessive right not essentially i absolutely started excessive oh well you so were the one i was the, the the main pusher so uh in 03 we were on ironman and the nxl had locked in all the all the nxl teams into it and they weren't letting us play other events and that was kind of my jam was going to europe i played with joy division i you know enjoyed doing traveling and as much of, of other stuff that i could and part of the Nexcel deal was you couldn't go play these other leagues, and That's I was right. not very pleased. And so uh, we pushed and shoved, and we ended up being able to play one. We played World Cup Toulouse one year, um, but like, I mean, yeah, I was over it. I, I didn't like being controlled, and we don't get paid enough to put up with that sort of behavior. And I didn't think that Nexcel was going to get on TV and get us all rich and famous like everyone else was telling us was going to happen. Like I saw, yeah, I saw through the bullshit. So I just really wanted to play other leagues. I wanted to have the ability to play. We couldn't play 10-man back then. We couldn't play the MPPL. We couldn't play the European events. 
So that was, you know, two thirds of my paintball tournament experience. Plus, when we went to the NXL events, they weren't tournaments. They were you play five games. You could be the worst. You could be the best. Doesn't matter. You just play your games and you go home. And it was culminating to that final event. And that's not I, I didn't think that was fun. It was hard to get hyped up. It was hard to, like, get excited about it, you know. Right. Um, so, so I basically was like, I, I can't I can't do this anymore. I don't want to stay in Ironman, even though this is the team that I grew up since I was like a little kid wanting to be a part of. Right. And I just to basically running the team with Rich at that point. I just I didn't want any part of it anymore. But I really still wanted to play with my friends. So I left the team and I really wanted to set up another team that ended up becoming excessive. And so I had the problem of some of the guys on the team wanted to play with me and wanted to come with me, but they didn't want to leave a known sponsorship situation with Ironman where they knew that they, if they stayed there, they could go to tournaments and they could play paintball. You got to ride. Yeah. An unknown team of what's going to happen. And on the other hand, I had all these sponsors lined up that said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd love to sponsor you. We'd love to give you all this money, but we need to know who's going to be on a team. Cause you can't pick up the five dudes from the corner and be on a pro paintball team. Like we need experienced pro players. So like for, for four or five months, I went back and forth between all the different sponsors saying, all right, cool. If you five guys join the team, then these guys are going to give us a sponsorship deal. And then vice versa, I'd go to the sponsor deck. Okay, cool. If you can get us that deal, then I can get these five guys or so. And it was just like a lot of back and forth and a lot of like massaging guys, egos and letting guys know. And so essentially most of the people on the team are interested. Um, when we kind of broke up, there are some guys that work for die that couldn't and didn't want to leave the team, uh, which was okay. And then, like, Yosh wanted to go to Dynasty because those were his buddies from way back when. Um, but we, there's still, there were still a lot of dudes left around. So there was, like, like Rich, Thomas, Neil, uh, Matt Marshall. Um, Neil sure was, was Neil playing for the Ironman at the time? Yeah, Neil had played one year. Neil and Thomas had played one year with the Ironman just in NXL um, and hadn't played 10 man with us. So they just had the one year with us. And then uh, there are other guys that, like, JP, Catfish, um, gosh, there are other guys and Art De La Cruz who super good paintball player that, uh, had to retire from family reasons. Um, so, so yeah, so we kind of got a core of these dudes and then we kind of didn't quite have a full roster. So we had to sort of like, you know, ask other people and, and sort of, we had the vibe out there. Once we were becoming a team, we kind of were like trying to get other people interested in what we were working with. It's so like Nikki Cuba was living with Matt Marshall at the time and wanted to do something. Um, but I think Arsenal was sort of forming back then and they wanted to give him a lot of money. And so he was kind of going back and we knew that Nikki Vegas also was kind of in the same situation. Uh, and then Shane Harrison had just left, uh, Miami effects. And I always thought he was a good player. I didn't really know him very well. So we reached out to him and then Davey Williamson had been part of Miami effects and didn't want to be a part of them anymore. So he was coming. So we kind of went from not enough dudes to, what do we do? We have too many dudes, yeah. which was a good situation. I, I, the way that I've seen teams be successful is a team exists. You know, bad players eventually get shuffled off. The good players stay on. They sort of shuffle to the top. As guys retire, they become the, the leaders of the team. Mm -hmm. And then they new players, and new players come in. And it kind of like it's, it's, a, it's an evolution of you get on the team, and you're like the skinny, fast, aggressive front guy you tell to go bunker people. So kind of working your way back to being a back guy and kind of running the team and making decisions of, of all aspects. And, and when people get into that program, they kind of know like where I'm at. Like I was a leader on this team. You've recruited me to be a leader on this team. So you're going to be a leader on this team or you're the cool dude from the amateur team. That's really good at this one thing. So we want to get you on this 
team. And that dude knows, like, I'm just here because I'm really good at something, really good at being fast, really good at being aggressive, something. So it's like everyone knows their pecking order. And so the Ironman was a really good, harmonious situation where everyone knew kind of where we stood and, and everyone was it was it worked well everyone understood and there wasn't a lot of conflict well the excessive when we formed it was like um well we only have four or five dudes and now we're gonna get these other guys and it wasn't like you're gonna be here and you're gonna be here and you're gonna be here everyone was just like well i gave up a deal i want to be a leader Mm -hmm. so we essentially nine dudes who thought they're gonna come on the team and be a leader and like like run shit because they gave up something else and no one was an indian everyone wanted to be a chief there no one you know it was a bad situation. So essentially we had legitimately nine starters for a seven man squad. Cause that's kind of our main focus. Um, and it caused a lot of chaos. It caused a lot of headaches. It caused, it was like, it was like survivor. Like yeah. people would take turns in tournaments grouping up and being like, Oh, us three think that that guy should go because there's nine of us and not seven. Like we really, really needed a pecking order that we didn't, the way that the team was formed, didn't organically happen and that caused most of the problems and then because of the ego problems we had we had play problems and and uh just you know just the worst of what paintball could possibly be when when uh personalities don't don't mash up but as guys that were sort of in that first first role sort of uh you know either gave up on that idea of being in a leader or just gave up on the team and left altogether, uh it sort of started to iron itself out but so those first two, three events were pretty rough. Uh, a lot of egos, a lot of finger pointing, a lot of like trying to figure out like what the fuck we're doing because it wasn't real obvious. Um, Is this 03? That was 04. 03 was the last year of the NXL. Okay. So, so yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a rough ride. And we had Pat doing the, the, the videos, the monkey with a gun videos and, mm-hmm he was always interviewing people and like trying to put us on the spot. And like, it was just a really, it was a really tumultuous, tensious time. And I had gone from being, you know, me and Rich were running Ironman and we had a really good um, partnership in it where he did some things and I did other things. And I thought we worked really well together and I thought we handled the situations really well. And, and the team stayed pretty healthy and we had a good, a good network. Uh, and I was really happy, I, but I did, I couldn't play in Excel. So we formed this other team and I was, really unhappy and it was a very stressful time and like you know i stayed up at night and i really questioned my decisions a lot um but i think on the other side of it i'm i'm a better person and i made good relationships with people that uh like yourself that i might not have met otherwise so i'm i'm overall thankful for the experience but it wasn't always a, a smooth a smooth ride <laughs> yeah man there was there was definitely some uh some tension in the beginning I mean, even when i even when i came on the team when i was brought onto the team uh at the end of 04 even being this naive little kid it really i i, I still did really feel like it was kind of it was still semi somewhat chaotic of of trying to really figure out everything and really trying to figure out all the pieces for this you know chessboard that we were trying to build or that you guys were trying to build rather um was was there a, a given point or time where you were almost were like this is it's not worth it or or were you really trying to at least give it a year or at least two years for that matter um but to I think see that what happened occurred to me i was always just like 100 percent in ride or die no matter what didn't want to do anything else 
I don't even know if I could have played for another team. Never approached any other teams about it, or n no teams approached me. I'm not sure any teams approached any of us because we all kind of looked like like toxic, damaged goods. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, I was I was there, you know, sink or swim, through yeah. through through it all until until they literally removed me from the team and told me never to show up again. I was going to be showing up and grinding and just trying my best because that's all I that's all I wanted to do. And it was like you know, started off as, as my thing. So mm -hmm. I always just wanted to do, be there for it all. Now, when was, uh, when was the split? Was that the, at the end of Oh five? The, what, the split of what? The, the sister team introduction. So, uh, we had a really successful first year. That was Oh four. And then we went into Huntington beach and we picked up John Richardson and Dave Baines and then we no not David uh, right no not even John Richardson or, Map Chim yeah there you go Map Chim and John Richardson and some of the guys that had originally been there sort of shuffled away and then we started forming a second team um, to sort of give younger guys a spot to play and then we went to play X ball because back then X ball teams were like fifteen dudes right like yeah. we ran deep but we needed the bodies um, so we ran that sort of like our fast aggressive kid squad. And some of the guys that had been on the first team, like Jesse Lapid, wanted to weren't comfortable with the the, the situation and the and the egos. And I don't blame him. So he kind of went to, and then I was, because I was kind of like a leader of the team. I was running the team, I was doing plays and like setting up drills and like, you know, we'd practice excessive and 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 I'd I'd tell him the game plan, then run over and play with excessive and not tell my dudes what the game plan was and just try and like get good practices out of everything. And then I'm not really sure what the start of it was, but uh, I think it was Davey and Rich were arguing about some point, and they wanted to have not nine people going into Huntington Beach. They wanted to have eight. And so Rich said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to either run our seven, and then you guys can't complain. And we, and they, they wanted someone to throw under the bus, mm -hmm. so we're just going to do the seven, and then we'll just take the two off and put them on the second team because I'd already been running the team and Matt kind of was helping me run the team too. It was just sort of a natural progression for us to transition to the second team. So the weekend before Huntington beach without any indication or any hint of what was going to be happening, we went from excessive to energy to run the semi-pro team. Literally the Sunday before Huntington beach, like halfway through the day, like, okay, you've practiced all these events, uh, all these time with excessive now you're on energy so it was like a it was a quick a quick flight into uh into the team where we're like oh shit we have you know like six games to get this team ready for huntington beach uh yeah w let's do it so <laughs> it, it i don't i don't think it was planned it didn't feel planned i think it just kind of was like an inevitable build build up but i mm -hmm. didn't see it coming unfortunately so it was it was it was hard it was, a, it was a bit of a blow to my ego, but again, I'm I'm happy for it. I think it, it helped me progress in my life and helped me grow as a person and meet people I wouldn't have met otherwise and been in experiences where I had I wouldn't have been otherwise. And I think I mean maybe you can tell me if you agree with this. The difference between the two teams was excessive was a band of hired killers and they would kill anything. They'd kill each other. Mm -hmm. They'd kill the other team. They were just like out for themselves and out for blood, and they were good at their job, and and that's it. But energy was more of like a team. We call it team fun, and like everyone just really liked each other, and we had each other's backs, and it wasn't like 
well, how'd you get shot? Oh, I looked into a ball, and everyone's just like, yeah, right, you suck at paintball, and I hate you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, cool, I get it. Don't let it happen so, again. Moving on. Yeah. yeah. Let's try to figure out how to let that not happen again, and we'll do that. And then it, it was such a cool environment for me to be in, and I felt like you guys, like the younger guys, I, I think you thrived because it wasn't like – you weren't on edge. If you fucked up, it wasn't like, okay, that's it. You got to go back to Ohio or wherever the hell you live. You get to stay on the team and you get to get better. You get an yeah. opportunity to keep moving forward. So, um, yeah, I think it was, I think it was cool for, for everybody that was involved. I think everyone finally of those, of those two years together. Yeah, man, it, that, those, that time with that second team and, and being able to play, being able to play X-Ball and have the camaraderie with the first team and to kind of get everybody, you know, gelling, but then split for seven-man and then have our squad go, it was it was just like you said. It, I, I never felt pressured. Uh, if anything, I was just expected to uh, perform. But I never felt I never felt pressured to perform. Does that make any sense? Like it was, yeah. it was you guys knew my abilities and you knew what I could do. So there was no harping on like, uh, like small mistakes, like right. small things. Patience. Yeah, we, we knew your ability range and we wanted you to be within the ability range and we wanted you to be consistently improving, right? But we weren't like, if you mess up, it's into the world and we're going to make you feel terrible about yourself. Like, I felt like it was a very good environment to uh, a kind of environment that I would want to learn in, like not having that pressure, not having like, you know, looking over your shoulder thinking, well, am I, is that was that it? Was that one mistake? The thing that's going to cost me like that was never in anybody's mind. It was always just like we're family and we're going to like get through this together. It was a pirate ship up there, man. Uh and with, with with our team, I think it was what was really nice too. It was a really good mix of very experienced, high level players, meaning uh, you, Shane, Maddie, um, you know, all. Uh, oh my god, why can't I think of his name? On. Ru- yeah, dude, Ronathan. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was, and even Ron. Where did Ron come from? Because he was kind of like he wasn't your typical like. Uh, Hey, let's pick up that guy. You know, kind of like at the paintball field. I I feel like he was he he just appeared and was good and was like just a part of the team. I was like, yeah, I mean, let's let's do it. As as we were building excessive, and I was sort of in charge of who was going to be on the team and who wasn't. I didn't feel like we had a really good strong backline presence. Um, we had a lot of like really really fast aggressive dudes, but no one that could sort of anchor it and be a big voice and just be a guy that I know I can put him in this bunker. And he's going to shoot as many pods as I give him, and he's not going to go anywhere. And he's going to coordinate the team really well. Yeah. Um, so I sort of mentioned that to Shane Harrison, and I was like, man, I need another back guy. Like, do you know anybody? And he knew Ron, and he knew Ron was really unhappy in whatever amateur ten man LA team he was from. He's like, this guy's Ron, he's really good, and he's cool, and bring him out. And I'm like, bring him out. So he came out, and after, like, I, he didn't even get that much practice time with us either. I think it was maybe one or two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I did beach, and I was like, you're way better than what I got going on, and so you're on. <laughs> and uh, I, I think Ron didn't get a lot of respect from the teams he was on because he played with such bad paintball players. And at, at like, at an amateur level, you kind of got to be really good at everything because no one's really good at anything. Mm-hmm. 
you kind of got to be a jack of all trades. And if you're not, then you're whatever you're bad at becomes very obvious because everyone else around you is really bad. The dudes that are really good, the guys that can shoot someone off the break, the guys that can run up the field and play the snake really well, the guy that can you know hold a lane down really well, those dudes get recruited into pro because they're good at that one good thing. Mm-hmm. But Ron didn't have anyone that are around them, and so I think his what he's not strong at was accentuated a little bit more than he could. But so he gets on our team. He doesn't have to be fast. He doesn't have to be aggressive. He just has to get to a bunker and hold down a lane. And that dude can gunfight like a nobody's business. You know, he mm-hmm. may not be the fastest dude out there, but like if we can get him to a corner, he's going to dominate anybody that shoots at him. And that's what he did. He just needed to be good at one thing. And he was, and he excelled for us. And he really made an, a huge impact on the team. He was, and he's like the nicest dude ever, right? Oh, yeah, dude. It's, it's insane. Anybody on the team, I could say, like, hey, what, you know, how did you get shot or what happened? And like, I kind of got to take it with a grain of salt of like, is he telling me the truth or is he just trying to cover up his ego? Like, you know, I, I had to suss that out with Ron. He'd just be like, uh, yeah, I made a mistake and I did this mm-hmm. and I won't do it. And so after a while, I just learned to trust Ron. So if Ron told me, yeah, it was a lucky shot or I looked into a ball and I think, oh, yeah, I believe that because you've been honest with me every single time. That's such a joy to have on a team when you mm-hmm. can just take at their word and then move on and not have to deal with like, well, is he telling me this for a reason or? Yeah. And then also speak in his mind, not, not afraid to speak his mind on the team too. And I think that, I think that in itself is a big comfort, uh, as a team leader yourself, but then just as a teammate in general, being able to have teammates who feel comfortable, uh, speak in their mind without anybody getting offended by it. Right. And, and and I think that was one of the giant things on the on the second team um, that was that was big was that you we could we could hold each other accountable without biting each other's heads off. Right. Yeah, I agree. It goes such a we, long way because we had each other's back and it wasn't like you messed up and I want to get you off the team, which was where the pirate ship action was. You know, like mm-hmm. every time something in their mouth speak against you, you're thinking this is it. Four or five dudes are going to come out of the woodwork and say, I agree, and that guy sucks, and we should get him off the team. Because, I mean, certainly that first year with Excessive, every single person's name was brought up to be considered cut. And it was it was tough. It was it was mind-bending to always be ungut. It has to be, like, one of the most stressful situations I've been, where you're just always on edge, and you're always watching what you say and what you do and who do you say it to and, and what's what's happening and what side conversations are taking place and what one person's motivation is because they want your spot and not necessarily because you're bad, but just they feel like they're better at it and they could probably make a, a name for themselves better in your spot. Mm-hmm. So they're going to get their little click to say you should not be on the team and I should be in your spot. Yeah. And, it, but but I, and it's tough because I, I can see – I can understand – the I can understand the cutthroat mentality because everybody was you know riding a a, a high ro- tight rope you know everybody's walking a tightrope at, at that point you know not knowing where the team's gonna go trying to save themselves trying to uh, you know uh, prove themselves at every practice or every I don't want to speak for anybody but it's almost like it's almost like everybody had to you know show up every day of every practice and tell people that they deserve to be where they are. Right. And, uh, I mean, that's what it, it felt like, but, um, you know, eventually every, yeah. every, every social situation, you couldn't like drop all and, and sleep in for a team meeting or, you know, cause you're like, that's it. I just missed this team meeting. I'm going to get cut now. It mm-hmm. was, 
it yeah. was crazy. Speaking of, one of my favorite parts of uh, the documentary that Pat made, um, I don't know if you heard of it, Excessive, uh, the Excessive Story. I don't know if you, it's, it's been out for a while. You'll see it eventually. Um, but one of my one of my favorite uh, parts of that is the team meeting. Like I've I've recommended just that segment of the documentary to for people and teams to watch. Just that part, just to kind of really feel what it feels like to not have a bullshit meeting of like okay go here he does this but but really to kind of open up like if your team is struggling really open up and 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 figure it out as a team and have everybody lay shit out instead of let letting things linger and you know it's just I, to me that little portion of the movie was like it was important to me because you could tell how much passion uh that just everybody had for yeah. for the game itself and where the team was um you know at that time and it was you know i'm also biased because i was a part of it uh, eventually but it was just it's really it, it was just a really interesting part of the movie i feel i, I agree with that that looking back on it it was it's quite the social social dive into like team politics and interpersonal relationships and how how people sort of like figure themselves out and, and, and value themselves in the world. Yeah. And I think right after that, you're rooting for everybody. And I think right after that, uh, Nikki gets like sat and like, it's just, just <laughs> it goes downhill. And you're like, Oh shit. I was rooting for everybody. Um, what is the, what's the backstory with excessive and excess energy drink and, so, and those owners and everything? How did, what is that whole story? So that, that tournament that we went to Toulouse, the one event that Ironman could play that wasn't the NX element, we went to Toulouse, and my big thing was going and traveling afterwards. So one of the guys that had been on Ironman the year before, Brian Ravenel, who's from Washington, still a good friend of mine, um, I was sort of recruiting dudes to come on my traveling adventures. Mm-hmm. And so I recruited Brian to come on this epic voyage where we we flew we went to Fred and Ferbisa's house in, in Toulouse or, or after Toulouse, they live real close to Geneva, Switzerland and had just like an amazing time. Then we flew to Poland, drove to Poland, went to Hungary, went to Czech Republic and just caused may- mischief and mayhem the whole time. <laughs> like SK and JP and a bunch of us. And so this kid that, uh, that Brian Ravenel knew somehow through paintball, he invited him along. So I don't know who he is. I don't know why he was invited, but he was a cool kid. And he was involved in a team uh, in Canada, real close to the border of Canada. And basically, our whole trip was him managing the team, the field, just kind of all aspects of this team. And I was listening, you know, because we were in the car the whole time and um, sort of figured out that his dad was a big sponsor in this team. And it didn't sound like they were really happy with the team. And like um, some of those guys uh, were pretty good at paintball. And that team kind of slowly evolved and merged with Impact at one point, I think. So Josh Davies was on that team mm. and he was, you know, one of the first big time players that came out of impact as far as I can remember. Um, so, so at the end of the season when we sort of like, and I kept in contact with them and at the end of the season, when I realized that Ironman wasn't going to be an opportunity for me anymore, I approached him and said, Hey, let's merge our teams. Um, I have all these pro dudes that need a home and you have, you know, these guys that are good and need a home and they'd done pretty well in the season before that first year of the, of the X ball events for the amateur guys. So let's put this together and, you know, figure out how many of your guys are going to want to come down to LA for practice. And I'll figure out how many of my guys are going to come down for, for practice and we'll start merging them. So I think initially like four or five of the guys 
wanted to be involved. Josh Davey wanted to go play with Impact. Um, and then, uh, so he was kind of one of the guys who were like, well, if you give us this much, well, I'll get these guys. And if, and these guys will say, well, if you guys come along, he'll give us this. So it was kind of a lot of back and forth. And finally, we just kept sort of inching closer together until we finally just said, all right, let's just have a meeting. So Neil, Thomas, and Rich, who were really the first three guys in with me, said, all right, we're going to drive to L.A. We're going to have a meeting with the, the Duncans. The, the Devin was the kid that I knew, and his dad was the one that was supporting that other team. Let's have a meeting with them. Let's talk about what we want to do, and let's let's meet. Let's shake hands. Let's let's visit with each other and figure yeah. out if we can together. So we drove down for a weekend. We had a really long weekend where it was we played paintball. We had meetings. We went out to lunch. We just talked about kind of the future, and, and it was a good fit. So we uh, went forward with the team, and we had four or five of those dudes uh, – involved um and then i think they slowly weeded themselves out or or had another opportunity that they went to and so two of them stuck around for a little bit and then just you know they're in canada and was flying down and they they were coming from a different point of view of being amateur amateurs and we were like more of like the cutthroat pirates Mm -hmm. that were that were more experienced and more seasoned but we stuck with with Devin and his dad. So his, he had a product called XS energy drink. Um, and that he was marketing and it was like a little, a little energy drink. There was actually like, you know, low, low sugar, no carbs. It was, it was a pretty good product. I enjoyed it. And, uh, and so we were arguing over team names. Like that's all Thomas Rich and I would do. And Neil would, we just argue over team names. It was, it was mind numbing. So we were, what were some, what were some, hang on. What were some names that you guys had before? I really wanted Mutiny. That was like my number one pick because uh, we just from the Ironman. Right. Uh, Thomas really wanted Infamous, which is funny because Infamous wasn't a team obviously back then, and now he is Infamous. Um, Matt wanted Matt Marshall wanted Iconic, and there's a pro team Icon, so it's kind of similar. Everything else I don't think was really in play, but Mutiny Infamous. So the first success of Jersey, the the fade, I put a pirate ship on the side. Uh, sort of like you know foreshadowing of like we were this mutiny from this pirate ship and let alone we were mutiny the whole time yeah um so that was so so anyway we get to this meeting and we're like oh we have some some team names idea what do you think what do you like mutiny infamous he's like yeah we're gonna be called excessive like how's that it's like excessive xsv my energy drink is excess you are excessive kind of looked at each other like that's actually not bad we like like that all right yeah we don't have to fight anymore let's do it so so that's kind of Man, worked out well, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It weirdly rolls off the tongue and like just has a good, and you know, putting the three letters and everything out there. It was great for branding too. Like with the pants that we had, with the packs and everything, it was, it was really a good decision. It was, it was, it was, yeah, genius. It was really, it was really well, well designed and put it out there. Whose idea was it for the uh, for the bear? That was mine. So. Uh, I just decided to make a jersey. So Dynasty, I think, had a jersey the year before. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's correct. So in 2003, Dynasty had their own jersey. And I think they were the first team that really had their own jersey. Don't quote me on that. But that was the first one, at least, that I noticed. I was like, that's cool. So I approached so, – so we went with JT – um, and so I said, oh, I want to do a jersey like a, like Dynasty. Let's do this. So basically, me and Don uh, Whitell, I think his name is, Widmer, 
Widmer. He was the art director of JT, and I and we just started emailing each other back and forth. I'm like, I want this, and so I had to basically start from nothing. Like, excessive wasn't a team. You can't really illustrate the word excessive, mm-hmm. right? So I had to think of a theme. Um, so I thought, you know, we're in California, and, and NorCal is like a cool thing, and so uh, let's let's start with the California bear. And I really wanted light colored shoulders. It's like my thing because we play in the summertime. And if you've got a black jersey on top, you just bake, right? So mm-hmm. I thought, do a light color. We'll fade it out. Uh, you know, put those nautical stars that were on there, and 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 we'll just make something cool. So he and I went back and forth, back and forth. And it was funny. We went to JT to do a photo shoot, and the jersey was almost done. And uh, like Nikki Cuba and Mad and the guys had never seen it. They wanted to see it. So he pulls it up and he shows them and the guy's like, oh, that's really cool. He's like, oh, you want to see the other jerseys I made? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he starts flipping through and he's hitting like the the Avalanche jersey and like the, the Dynasty jersey that year and just all the different ones. And he hits a button and it goes from our jersey to our jersey that's going to be made. And it's got a treasure troll on one side and this silly pirate ship on the other. And they just freeze They're like, <laughs> what is that? And I'm like, what is that? That's so weird. How did that get there? Because <laughs> I thought I was being cute, putting silly stuff on the jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't go but too it was, far. <laughs> it was too late. They already got made, so all those jerseys have a treasure troll. And, I remember uh, they, seeing those, actually. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't believe that one was I – I don't have an original. I don't have an original excessive one. I ended up getting one of the bubble like circle the it was like red yellow and black with like that was the first excessive one with the with the heat press bear on the back and everything Uh, and then um i got one of those i always wanted one of the uh pirate ship ones that would have been that would have been sweet but that no one's pirated those and like remade them you know like companies are redoing jerseys yeah because i wasn't really looking back on the excessive jerseys that you guys made after that weren't as cool they weren't as, they weren't as cool as the other with, with the 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 people the excess people we had a difference of opinion on that bear so they were upset that we would be called the bears like we're not excessive for the bears and i was like well i mean it's a brand and it's an icon but like you don't call dynasty the dragons because they have a dragon on their jersey they're dynasty like but yeah. their symbol is cool sick dragon so we're just got this it's the california bear you know it's like a an icon of the state of california and everything that like kind of we were thinking we were mm-hmm. and they're like, yeah no uh we pay the bills so we're gonna do this other logo so with that shield with the excess xsv in it is sort of what happened next but like those jerseys i thought were cool like we had yeah those weren't the, bad either the yellow one was really i thought was a really cool jersey and then we had that camouflage one yeah so we were real bug and rich. Like we need a camouflage jersey. And back then no one had camouflage jerseys. Like I can't remember a camouflage jersey. So we're just like, didn't want to do it. Thought it was stupid. Thought we were just stupid kids. Rage. I think Miami Rage had the the red, white, and black like camouflage. But, but it was the same year, I think. I think it was 06. Okay. So he said, hey, if you guys win an event, I'll, I'll get you guys a camo jersey. <laughs> so we won the very next event. We won that tournament out in the middle of BFE Pennsylvania that was like a frisbee golf range that was 20 minutes from the nearest gas station in business Nemecolon? No. No, it was something else. It was even farther out. <laughs> anyway, we get that jersey. He doesn't tell anybody. He just gets them made. 
And then we show up to World Cup and he like unveils this like camouflage jersey and we're like, oh, that's sick. And yeah. then we didn't tell him. And then we, I remember we walked and we were playing Naughty Dogs the first game after you and I did the scootering. We pulled those jerseys out and like we hadn't told anyone, no one had seen him. And just like watching another pro team legitimately look at you and be like, those are sick. Like <laughs> I knew we had a, a cool jersey. And now camouflage is pretty, pretty common, I would say. But back then it was like pretty unheard of. Yeah, that camouflage one I have hanging up upstairs in my hallway, in a nice frame. That those, oh. those are the ones I I enjoyed. That that 06 season was was awesome, man. It was a disappointing World Cup, though. It, it was it was hard to to sit by. But I went back and looked just for this interview. I was looking at our results. We ended up fifth overall in pro mm-hmm. for a first pro team. That's like almost the highest I, I i don't know if it is the highest but it's top five is pretty darn good for a pro team first year so i thought we did pretty good and by the end of the season um well you you got hurt nikki vegas got hurt bobby avilas and skimp got poached up too excessive because um this like you know glenn left dave left john richardson left davy left they lost like almost their whole team so we mm-hmm. lost almost the whole team so we were literally recruiting like thursday the second to last event like just random dudes that we knew from amateur that didn't even play anymore so with those last two events we had like five dudes that started the, the season and then two guys that were like straight will you play with us we'll we'll pay just yeah. we'll fly you up, just play with us so to, to make sunday and to like you know, place fifth overall i thought was still a pretty good accomplishment absolutely and and the o five the o five mppl season with uh with team fun was amazing too and especially ending it in miami winning the pro spot at the end oh man dude it was i still have so from that i still have my my memory is so terrible like i have like patches of memory but i have my wristband and metal and everything i i even had my my temporary id tag because i lost my my uh mppl id so i even have my excess energy like id tag uh i think I, yeah, I still have the this this trophy behind me is the oh is that's that, it that's it it sits on my desk I'm pretty that is awesome first place semi pro yeah that was that wasn't my greatest paintball ex- like feat like accomplishment wise but it's certainly my most cherished memory that yeah. season was was pretty dope. Isn't that crazy? We, you played all these. You play all this paintball with all these giant teams, and then a uh, a first place semi pro like event was <laughs> like meant so much. It's crazy. Yeah, and and going into that semi pro season that first year, you know, basically the weekend before, we're like, you're going to be a semi pro team, and we're looking at the roster of all these teams, and so it's a bunch of teams that hadn't been in the, hadn't been in the MPPL, they'd been in the NXL. And so they were going to fight through the semi-pro team with us. So, like, mm-hmm. Bob had a second team of, like, straight killers. Ironman had their first squad because they couldn't play pro. Um, Dynasty had a super stacked roster. Was there it was Bob like, who we played in the finals? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and and that team did really well all season long. So, and there was a couple other teams that were, like, I was like, man, we got to play these guys. Like, we're going to get, we're going to get beat up. This yeah. is not, this is going to be a learning experience. This is going to be a growth experience. And then that first event, remember the very first game Energy had came out. We played some team from the East Coast. They went super hard aggressive. They took 
one of our bunkers and then one of their bunkers on the 50, like, like our 45 and their 45. And I got shot like immediately, like immediately. So I walked to the dead box and the dead box was like two feet from where Ron was playing mm-hmm. in a corner, like, kind of behind the snake. Mm-hmm. And there are no rep. I was like, all right, Ron, <laughs> check this out, buddy. They went to our, like our car wash and their car wash. Yeah, I need you to start shooting over there. So he starts shooting. I'm like, no, 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 run our car wash. So we adjust the street. See, and you're can't... thinking all this in your head. You're not really like saying it out loud. You're just thinking it. So then I picked up on that and won the game. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so crazy how close those dead boxes actually were to like a corner. And there were no one would ever stand. Like a ref would never stand over there. They were always like 20 feet the one, one way. I always heard of guys like shooting from the dead box and shooting into the dead box because it was right there and guys would get mad at each other and start pulling shenanigans and dude that's I that was that's another aspect of seven man that I really miss was obviously not getting shot but just like the experience of like playing the game of like winning playing some games out uh, winning them some games you, you get shot and you go to the dead box you know setting your gun down on the table or wherever the fuck they wanted you to get your gun shot up like i always put yeah. mine on the floor i never put it on the table because i always got shot to shit but uh just being behind the dead box and that fence and grabbing onto the fence and leaning out and just kind of Hoping, hoping and wishing yeah. and just like rooting your team on there's that that experience yeah. was just like super cool as it weird was, as it sounds and it was like games are so much slower and they're more like they're more like chess matches mm-hmm. whereas you know you could you could seven dudes long narrower fields you could lose a guy or two you could lose a key spot or two and you could still fight back and win and the games took a while and you had to like earn your moves and you had to like go with teamwork and the games were different. Now it's like you know, you can win a game in ten seconds if you just happen to shoot two dudes, mm-hmm. or if you get like you know a really quick kid that gets to a corner and gets to a good bunker. Like that's it, it's it's good. It's it's still paintball, but it's a, certainly it's like comparing uh, like motocross and like cross country. There's two you know they both use motorcycles, but they're like different sports, right? Yeah, and they, and they're completely different. So yeah, I think I, I think paintball took a step maybe not in the right direction when we went to just x-ball because teams survived off management and if you had guys that were good at managing and maybe not so good at paintball but but could provide some financial stability for teams mm-hmm. on a 10 field or even a seven man field they could there was a spot for them like big dudes could play in the back center and still be effective big dudes sometimes could make corners and still be effective there's no big dudes playing x-ball now right so so yeah the old guys that maybe don't have the time to practice all the time but have the money to support a team aren't around anymore so you get these ten teams that are run by by younger kids or younger guys and they're quicker to quit the sport where you know something comes up monetarily or the, a job comes through or they just want to spend more time with their girlfriend like they're quick to they're quicker to just to leave the sport because they're they're so like so much more is going on in their life versus the guy that has the the job and the, he just wants to do paintball on the weekend and he's okay mm-hmm. support the team a little bit if he has to. I don't know how much you were involved. Uh, I mean, you run a field, uh, obviously, but I don't know with how much you you're involved in like the game of today as far as like the tournament scene itself. Uh, but do you see Seven Man possibly making its way back into the paintball world? Uh, probably not Seven Man in like the airballs. 
tests, I'd imagine. I think we've, we've moved in so far a direction, and all the fields now are built for X-Ball fields, and so you'd have to get – it's the infrastructure behind it, you know? Like, it might be a better concept, but it doesn't matter because no one's got a seven-man field. No one's got – like, I had seven-man turf. I cut it and made an X-Ball field, and I can't go back. Like, mm-hmm. and there's no t- – for it there's no like there's no videos for it anymore unless you want to look back to when was the last time we played seven man 2010 2009 like it's been it's yeah. been a decade right so so no one's gonna look back and think like oh that looks really cool seven man is really neat when the infrastructure is geared towards towards x-ball yeah yeah that's you know now the 10 man mechanical stuff is coming back and i don't mind 10 man it's just three extra guys is kind of a pain in the ass like seven is such a nice rounded off like number and I enjoy mechanical. I like shooting the emac and everything, but I'm like, I'm not a big fan of the woods. I'm not a big fan of like, like scenario stuff. I like my, I like my tournaments. I like hyperball manual stuff. And then I like, like the, I like the tournament side too, because that's just kind of like what I grew up playing. I didn't really grow up playing 10 man and all this other stuff, but yeah. Ideal situation would be like a seven-man mechanical airball tournament. That's yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Receiving, trans, receiving transmission. Receiving yeah. transmission. Turn <laughs> <laughs> that off. So, uh, I, I think that would be great, and I think mechanical is definitely like a cool thing to do. I do um, a random league where it's mechanical only. And no electric hoppers, so you can use a pump, or you can use an emac, or a cocker, or mag, or whatever. But everyone yeah. has a shake hopper, and then it's on airball. It's a five-man tournament, and it's random draw. So like you enter the tournament just by yourself, and then we pull cards. And so all the fours are a team, all the fives are a team. Like, oh, nice. And we just play like a like a pickup, and then uh, it's it's amazing. So like all these kids have come through, and like it's a really good first experience for paintball because it's I make it cheap, and when you get shot, you don't get shot. 30 times <laughs> and it makes yeah. it's ref. so after they play the game they stay on the field and ref the team after them so it, it, i can keep it cheaper i don't have to pay refs um yeah and it incentivizes it, you not to cheat because the next guy behind you that you might have cheated is going is going to be refing you so yeah such, it's, and there's no ego to it i think a lot of guys will cheat because of ego because if they get shot and their team does bad that means they're bad and that makes them feel bad about themselves, which I understand. But if you get on a draw, random draw team, there's always the out of like, I'm really good at paintball and I played really good, but I was stuck with four guys that were not very good at paintball. And so we didn't do very good. And it's, right. and that's okay. I had a good time. I met these and like your ego's not on the line. So I don't really catch a lot of cheating out there. Most of the dudes are like pretty honest or if like they get shot, they're laughing about it. Like it's a really, it's a, it's a cool thing. So I wish we could do only mechanical paintball. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good way to get the sport forward. Um, it doesn't cost as much to have a mechanical gun. You can have a super awesome mechanical gun for 250 or whatever, you know. Uh, you don't shoot that many paintballs so that you save money there. And then uh, you don't get shot 10 times. That's no fun. No one wants to get bunkered in the temple 10 times. Yeah, you know, no. get once. But there were some times, like, when I was in the shower and I was, like, had my head under the, the you know, the shower head. And there's just, like, <laughs> orange just pouring down. I was like... This is still fun. It's still yeah. fun. <laughs> like, I really enjoyed watching like the confluence of different colored paint and like dirt and sweat. Just oh man, totally, totally. Never said that out loud before, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> it was it was a it, for me. It was always a good time to like reflect 
and uh, just about the day itself, and you're like, I'm just washing my hair. I'm just feeling all the all the like lumps on my head and everything. I'm like, because I'm so far up the field and in the shit. But you know what I thought would be a cool idea too is I just picked up a uh, an 06 Dynasty like multiple parts put together shocker and it would be cool to do like uh like a guns that are older than 10 years old like get together tournament like do, do it in semi-auto have the guys show everybody show up if you want to you know because it, it was so cool back then too because everybody like put different grip frame colors onto this and had cp regs and had different barrels and different everybody had a different load it's it was like it was almost like excessive when you guys first started when everybody was shooting like a different marker different loader team gun sponsorship yeah exactly and just everybody brings their own stuff it doesn't have to be crazy but it's all semi-auto the gun has to be older than 10 years and and it's just you show up and have fun because i was I, i just tore it down i'm rebuilding it and everything and I just I like got to ripping it in semi auto. I was like this that this is that's fun too. Like I like mechanical, but like that was that was a fun era too of just like going wild and playing semi auto and having your personality also in your marker with like the different colors and the different manufacturers and and sponsors and everything that you just got to concoct whatever you could and right. it made your marker like that much more. It wasn't the same like a lot of the guys they get you know the team guns so everybody has like maybe a different color barrel tip or whatever the fuck but like back back then it was like you just you just made whatever you wanted or even like right. the am- the amateur guys you just it's like having that marker of like whatever you could afford you just put the shit together make it work yeah. and you go out there and that was, yeah i th- i was yeah. i thought that would be cool i, I think i think you're onto something i'm probably think- not i'm not i don't know I get, I, I get, I sit down here, I do these podcasts, I go over there, I tinker with all these fucking paintball guns and shit, and I come up with all these ideas that I just keep to myself for the most part, unless I tell people like you. Well, I appreciate being your, your muse. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I, I feel terrible because I feel like we haven't really kept in touch over the years. Yeah, it's hard. We live so far away and we don't, we don't intersect lives as much anymore but i think uh compared to some of the guys that were on the team i think you and i do a decent job of staying connected yeah well we've always liked each other for the most part yeah totally well so what was it what was it like for you going through more i want to get to like your beginnings of uh of finding paintball and everything but going back to excessive when when did you see shit start hitting the fan and and things kind of starting to fall apart and, and seeing a possible like drop out of the team or or at least of a good majority of the guys on the team. Uh, so you mean when the team actually in, did end up blowing up? Yeah, is that what you're talking about? Because mm-hmm. the the first couple of tournaments were rough, um, and a lot of a lot of like, we expected to do well in Huntington Beach, and then we really did not do well in Huntington Beach, and instantly the knives were out, so to speak. Um, but I didn't feel like the team was going to blow up. I just felt like, you know, some guys might get cut. Some guys might get sat. Some guys might get their feelings hurt. Um, I think we had gone, the, the excessive had won Huntington beach and we had gotten third in pro. And then we went and we won two, we won two X ball tournaments in a row. And then they won another seven man. Denver. And I think. Th- yeah, that sounds right. And then things are going really, 
things are going really well. We won Chicago, and we were the first we were the first non NXL team to win an, an NXL event. So all the all the original teams were the only teams that had won an NXL event at that point. And we came out and just beat people up like it was it was a pretty good performance. Um, and we had basically the best guy on every team come to us and say, hey, man, I want to be a part of your team. So it felt like at that point, if we needed to add a piece or two, we could have our pick of the litter or mm-hmm. less from legitimately every good pro team that could speak English came to us and said, hey, I want to be on your team. Um, and then some stuff with the money started happening where we weren't getting what we were promised. and From the Duncans? Some- Yes. And so uh, that was when things first started to break down, where guys were promised something and then they they weren't getting it. And then I think they tried to use some guys on the team to sort of drive a wedge in between us to sort of get us to relent. Uh So and we didn't. And then the team broke up more or less, you know, like it continued on. But but the the what people would think of as the height of the team was, you know, like in the course of like two or three days, we lost uh, Glenn Takamoto, Davey Williamson actually walked the fields with excessive and made game plans with him on Thursday. And then by Thursday night, he was not on the team. Uh, uh, who else? John Richardson went that way. Rusty. I think Rusty went that way. Or somebody else. I feel like there was other people. I mean that was a that was a gut shot. That I, losing losing four four starters, like four legitimately very good paintball players that were instrumental mm-hmm. into the team, losing them uh, like Thursday before the event was that was pretty much the, the last of it. Yeah, yeah, because I, I remember all that going down and like really being pulled in in two different directions. Because I remember the whole abyss thing was happening, and then I was I was hearing things from one side, and then hearing things from the other, and not really knowing. What so what was you... your take on it? What was what did you see? Because I think thinking back, you were sort of like the the swing vote, as it were, and I think both sides are sort of wooing you because obviously the numbers count. So if six dudes want to do one thing and four dudes want to do another, the six dudes are going to get their way probably, and you were kind of like the swing vote. So like, what was, what was your take on that whole scenario? Cause it happened in, in, uh, was Chicago, right? Or no, where was that? We were in some terrible tournament. Like there was a fight and it was, uh, a, there, there was a fight with, um, it was Boston. Remember? Yeah. Cause Thomas it, and Thomas and Dave got into it. So, so I felt, so we made, we were the number one seed going into Sunday. Excessive didn't make the cut. Dynasty didn't make the cut. Um, and then we ended up not not making the finals. I think we got like fifth or sixth. And then we get back, and those guys hadn't even come out to the field. And they had given their guns to Infamous to play because they were more buddy buddies with Infamous, and that created a lot of attention. A lot of tension too, because we were like, "We're your team. Like, if you you ask us if we need guns, not not the bad guys, right?" Mm-hmm. So we get back and there's just a lot of tension. And I was like, "This isn't cool." I'm, so I got my personal credit card out and I bought us a hotel room in like near the airport in Boston and I gathered everyone up on energy and I said, we're not staying here. These guys are going to have to go through this on their own. We got in the car and we drove and then some guys got dropped off at the airport. Some guys, I think like five or six of us piled up in this uh, hotel room that I had gotten us and then we got up the next day and, and, and flew home. But that night, uh, one of the guys on the team called me and was like, hey, there's been a fight. Thomas and Dave are fighting each other. 
or something, you know, some sort of a skirmish, we need you to basically tell Thomas he's off the team. So like, you know, even from a distance after they shoved me off the team, they're still wanting my support in their, in their, their little scheme to basically wreck the team from the inside out. Mm. And it's like, uh, yeah, I'm not there and I'm not going to be there. And you guys, you guys are big boys. Yeah. You have, you have a good one. I'll see you at the next practice. I think that was the start of, of some hurt feelings and some people leaving. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't, I knew, I knew the one of the reasons that a lot of guys weren't were not happy was because the falling out of of the financial side of the promises on on one side. So I can understand I could understand that, but I didn't know the promises. I did, I didn't know like I was I was seeing it all from a third person's perspective, you know, from a third party's perspective, and um, I didn't agree with a mass abandoning ship. Uh, when it was all happening, I, I didn't agree with that, but then I also didn't agree with leaving like still during the season kind of a thing, you know, so that I, I didn't agree there. I wanted the team to obviously stay together. And the only reason, uh, like I said before, the only reason I did leave was because, you know, I had that offer from, uh, Polly and Ed of actually getting, of, of getting paid when I wasn't on excessive. And that's really the only thing that kept me because I was, I was a poor kid with no job, hardly a job at the time. So to be able to still play and get paid for it was kind of a bonus for me. Unfortunately, it wasn't with you guys. And that was, that was always, you know, we talked about it too. It was, it was really tough for me because I had so much fun with team fun and with excessive um, all together as a collective because it was really you guys had molded me into into this naive kid coming on with you know being this one sided weapon and you guys really molded me into the player that I am today and uh, that's what made it hard too because I felt like I was turning my back on the guys who who brought me onto the scene you know and I way too I, I saw I mean you and I got along really well from the from the get go yeah and for whatever reason I felt uh, responsible for you. And I felt like even though I didn't recruit you onto the team, um, I felt like I was your big brother. So when, when things got bad and you were in the line of fire, I always threw my body in front of you to like distract, detract from, from the negativity that was being thrown your way. And I was always like, I was always in your corner. And then, you know, you were such an amazing talent and I felt like I could give you some of the stuff that I had learned and turn you into a super awesome, amazing player, and you were, you know, more or less willing to learn. Um, so, so I put more of myself into you than I think I probably put into anybody else in paintball. Um, so it hit me probably even harder when you left because I felt like I lost a child. Not to make you feel guilty about it or anything, but you came to my house, kicked my dog, drove my truck away, and then ripped my baby out of my arms. And, you know, <laughs> It's not a big deal, right? Totally nah, right. dude. Uh, no, it it killed. I think about it. Every, I think about it um, a lot, and I and I tried. You know, being the that's what just sucks, man. Is because I felt I felt the same way. I felt like I was leaving like my parents' house. Like I was eighteen, and I was leaving the nest. 
you know, and I was I was prepared and everything and, and watched over and and, you know, cleaned and all this, you know, as a little baby bird. And then I get to, I can I could fly and then I, I flew and I felt so I felt like it was a good for me in the end. It was a good decision because I was able to further my career and play on Avalanche. And then eventually after, you know, and, and extend my career out. Um, who's to say I wouldn't have been able to do the same, uh, staying with the team, but it was just, uh, it was monetary and it was, it's sad and sucky to say, but it's like, as a paintball player at that time, it was you, I, for me anyway, uh, I had to get what I, I could. Totally. And I feel terrible. And I, and what's, what sucks is that I feel the same, man. Like you, Maddie, Ron, Shane, like all those guys, and even all the guys on excessive, like you guys were all my older brothers because for, I think you for would, a year, I was the youngest guy on the team at least. To events and, and me, Ron, Shane, Matt would be like, okay, cool. Who's, who's Carl's dad this tournament? I'm like, all right, I'll be Carl's dad this tournament. So Carl's dad would pay for everything for Carl that tournament. I had zero dollars. I was, I had a job, but it was, I was like writing off paint and I was like just to play and I had zero monies. Shane Harrison was your dad the most. And when we went to world cup, we went to, uh, that, that where they joust and like play sword fight. What's Mm -hmm. that called? Medieval times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he was your dad, that event. And like, he had to pay for your medieval times ticket. It was like, you know, a hundred dollars or whatever. We're just like, I owe you guys thousands of dollars. (laughs) You should interview Shane Harrison. He is such an interesting dude. And Shane doesn't get any credit at all for being an amazing paintball player. He just, he had the personality that was like, go with the flow, really nice. Like he didn't want to like get in a conflict with anybody. But so, very assertive. Not, not in the social, not in like the, the, the team dynamics. When, when it was like, uh, you suck, you shouldn't be on the team. He'd be like, okay. But the Shane was legitimately an amazing paintball player. And without him on the team, energy would not have gotten anywhere half as good because he was so so durable and so utilitarian that he could play he could play any spot on the field. So he yeah. played mostly back and filled into spots like mostly on the Dorito side when when we needed to get pressed up or if we lost a body. Once everyone quit, we were kind of left with no one on the team. I made Shane a front player and goddamn, if he didn't have the best turn of his life, just running as far as he could hiding in these little tall bunkers. And he's like six foot two. You know, he's, yeah. a, he's skinny, but he's tall. Mm-hmm. So he's just like big pretzel, like folded up in these bunkers, just murdering people. Like it just, no one ever talks about Shane. He wasn't, he was amazing. Yeah. Shane was awesome. I mean, See, I'm talking he, about assertive, like dad Shane to me. So he, <laughs> he, he was like, he's like, no, 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 no. Like he was very, it, all you guys were. I mean, you guys were exactly. You're all my big brothers, and uh... you were a special project for Shane. That's for sure. He took a he took a peaked interest in you and your development. I feel like everybody had like a little bit of like that's what that's what was cool about that team was like all all of you guys who had all your experience and all of your all this time that you kind of just you know worked into my brain of of how to not be just a one tool player. It was. It was amazing. Yeah, your development from when we first got you, just being like the fastest kid on planet Earth, to, but getting shot as fast, like you know, to being this super well-rounded and like aggressive, awesome player was. It was really fun to be a part of. It was really fun to watch. The the 
the worst and best part of that was you left the team and you went to Avalanche for 07, and we played you guys in Tampa, I think. And uh, we had a pretty good record, and you had like a kind of good record. I think we're probably pretty close to even. And you and we all knew you were fast, and I'd I'd scouted all your games. You'd done like one side of the field, but you ran to our side of the field on the other tape and shot all of us within like 30 seconds and just surprised all of us and, you know, won the game immediately. And I'm walking off the field, butthurt that I just got shot super early and we just lost. And then I look over and I see it's you and I'm like, oh man, like, all right, well, he, you know, like he used what I gave him and he, he, he improved himself under my tutelage, you know, debatable on who had more effect on you, but <laughs> you did it yourself. Right. But I was, I was really proud. Like I felt like really conflictedly proud that you had just murdered us, and then I think that tournament you went on and just murdered everyone out of your chance. Like I'm pretty sure I, I after the game I came over and gave you all you guys hugs. Probably. <laughs> I was too upset at that point. Oh, <laughs> uh, dude, that's that's another thing, man. Paintball has so many personalities, and you know, with Team Fun and everybody, that was that was such a. It's it's weird because it, you when you talk about all this turmoil that all these other teams have had, and uh, like with what our with what excessive had and with uh, what other teams struggle with, it I felt so. I mean, I know we covered a little bit of this, but we I just felt nothing. Like it was just no. It was like go have fun, literally have fun, play, know your job, do your job, just have fun, and yeah. and I think that with like adding adding Scott Kemp. And uh, Bobby Aviles and those guys coming up and playing and just this the everybody that we added was just that it was it was an add to what we already had it was never a negative it was never like a a setback. Once you have a set system, adding player two, you basically get them to mold in that that same form or else they they don't fit in. So like mm-hmm. when we're all super cool and super chill with each other and like have that like team fun mentality. You know, you pick up a guy and then we're just all cool. So he's going to want to be cool, right? He's got no one else to really like side with and change the dynamic. So mm-hmm. it was easy adding dudes. And also when we added Roy, Roy was a really and good And Roy, yeah, I forgot about Roy. Roy was a really good player, a really well established guy, and was friends with everyone anyway. And was just like, he was like seamless. It was like he'd been playing with us for 10 years, you know, just plugged right in and started shooting people. And he was just, and it's just a cool dude. And, and like, I've been on paintball teams where I didn't want to go hang out with the guys afterwards. I wanted to like seek out the people that I was friends with on other teams mm-hmm. um, later, you know, towards the end of when I was playing. Um, but like that, that team, like that was like, those are my guys, you know, like I remember sitting around in Matt's apartment. And it was just all of us. And I just was thinking to myself, my gosh, these are all my favorite people in the world all in one spot. And it just happened to be energy. Mm-hmm. Like catfish, love catfish. Catfish is a great player. Doesn't yep. get a lot of Matt. Vaughn, Shane, Roy, you, Rio. Remember Rio? Yeah, Rio. Yeah, Nikki Vegas. Mm-hmm. Jesse Lapid. Like those were like yeah, those are the times, man. That was a good group. That was a good group of guys. And um, I'm trying to think of when, because that was all. That was all '06 and '05, '06, and then what? I mean, you- did, how long did you play after? On when did you hang it up? So I played 07 because I thought if we kept like Bobby Villas, Scott Kemp, we could have a team that could still compete and win. And then we lost those dudes. And Thomas was still on the team. Mm. So I thought, you know, we've got enough weapons here. 
but it was we picked up some kids they didn't really come along and they weren't really thriving in the environment to like be killers they're more like scared to not make mistakes sort of thing yeah um so that 07 season because i'm not one to commit to something and leave halfway through the season you know uh, we actually got third in that event the very first event we picked up greg sewers that first year or that 07 year so i wouldn't have played with greg i wouldn't have known him and he's a super cool fun dude mm-hmm. um so i quit after 07 or retired or whatever we call it and then i got bored and so I, I put a lot of energy into my paintball field because it was kind of a, a hobby versus I wanted to become a business and support me. And then I came back uh, a couple, oh, oh, 09, and I coached excessive just to sort of get back into it. And so I, we, we were very important semi-pro with a bunch of the kids from Modesto, and we won. We won, um, we won Phoenix. And so I was like, cool, this is it. And then like I never got asked back, so I didn't really know what happened about that. Uh, but then... I, uh, I, I just got bored again and I wanted to play. So I like right before World Cup, I called Rich and Junior and I was like, hey, I want to play paintball again. Can I just come out? And my idea was, you know, I haven't played a lot lately. I'm probably we're far behind, but let me just start. Let me get my foot in the door. I'll practice before the tournament. I'll practice in the offseason. Maybe by next season, I'll get myself on the team. Yeah. Um, I show, And I, I, I went out heavily drinking the night before just because – I had a friend in town I hadn't seen for a while. So I was like, eh, it's not a big deal. This isn't a big deal practice. I just have to be there and just have to play paintball. And then I showed up and like, it was like I'd never left. Like I was in the groove and I shot a lot of people. And then I was like, who's your fastest kid on the team? Like, oh, it's Pat right there. I'm like, all right, Pat, take off your pack. We're going to race. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, we're going to race. I'm like 15 years old and we're going to have a foot race. From here to there, you ready? He's like, yeah. And I smoked him. So I'm just like, shit, Mike is on the team. <laughs> that was like the last. <laughs> like wait was that a real story or was that a real story and i guess from junior side he didn't tell me he he talks to me he's like yeah yeah come to practice he's on the phone he looks at rich he's like let's get micah down here just riddle him let's just shoot the crap out of him let's get all our bad feelings out on him that that's what their their vision was i think i showed up like it's like you never left so so i played that world cup and then i completely destroyed my knee and never really played much after that fucking knees dude yeah, I had microfracture surgery, which is like what Amari Stoudemire had and Chris Weber had. And sometimes it takes and sometimes it doesn't. And it yeah. didn't. So, yeah, but I'm thankful for my time. Yeah, Fuck. that sucks, man. I, I've I had a couple knee problems. What's that? When did you hang it up? Well, the this first time that my my separation from from you guys hurt so bad at the end of of 06 that in at the end of 2009 i decided to stop playing and still with avalanche for those those three seasons so i was avalanche in 07 uh halfway through 08 and we were playing both leagues and then we stopped playing one for another, for some reason. And then I was like, I got into it with Ed about playing with another team with the exact same sponsors, but just another team for the other league. And he wasn't having it. And him and I, me being an asshole at the time, I was like, okay, well I'm, I'm just, I want to play as much paintball as possible. So I'm going to go play for, uh, I ended up being on going to infamous for the rest of 2008. And, 2000 and all of 2009 and then i ended up just getting kind of burnt out of just traveling and playing all the time and 
trying to figure out life at home and everything. And then uh, uh, I quit at the end of 09. Came back in 2000, halfway through 2013. Um, I got on uh, Aftershock. Right. And then... Hey, who You'd played a tournament that the... The tournament before, right? Didn't you play like World Cup? Like one event at the end of the season? 2010. I played 2010 uh, Chicago with X Factor. With X Factor. Yep. It just has like a. I brought my gear and I was like, eh, I'm just going to see what happens. <laughs> I remember having a text conversation with you because I'd watch the webcast and watch how well you played. And I'm like, you need to get yourself on a good team because a good team wants you. Yeah. And I wasn't, I was just. I was close at the time. It's only four hours from me, so I just like took my gear. Maybe, maybe I'll go to the Philly event this year. And I'll just bring my gear and I'll just see what happens. Uh, <laughs> why is Grandpa over there holding his gear bag? Is he right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll play for paint, just holding a sign. <laughs> um, but uh, but then yeah, then I end up coming back, trying out for AfterShock in in Chicago at thirteen, and then played for them until play with broke up. Well, yeah, well, that was like, eh, man, yeah, that was like an every year kind of up and down, just, you know, players coming through and trying to find, figure out shit. So then, but then in 2015, uh, I ended up playing with um, X Factor again. And then after that one year, I came back to Aftershock for until 2018. And then I hung it up in 18. Okay. I still feel good. You look great. I feel like shit right now <laughs> um let's uh let's get go to your lineage to your roots of paintball where did how did paintball kind of find you and how did the tournament scene kind of start for you sure so uh i had a really good friend here in davis who uh i'm still really good friends with we were in each other's weddings so eighth grade and he had gotten one of those plastic splatmaster guns where you like depressed the back and had CO2 cartridges mm-hmm. and he had it at his house and I don't know where he'd gotten it but his it's like dude you gotta check out this paintball gun I got so I go over to his house and he shows it to me and it's just like I don't know like a movie and like you see like the gold beaming from the light uh, from from the the rock and you know there's something in there that's just like the the chalice or whatever mm-hmm. so I was like oh my god this is it this is my life let me shoot that thing he's like oh we can't shoot it I was like what do you mean you can show me this most amazing thing ever and you he's like no you can't shoot this so eighth grade, I was a hustler and I like did, you know, uh, lawn mowing and washed cars and recycled cans and just, you know, scrapped money all the time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what I wanted, but I saved up enough money to buy a gun. So I was like, I'm taking every bit of money, probably represented like 80 hours of labor and I'm going to go buy myself a paintball gun. So we went to the town next to me and I bought the same gun and uh, we just started playing. I started shooting in the backyard and then him and his buddies and our buddies would, would play a little bit. And then as it kind of waned, they lost interest. Um, so I kind of hooked up with an, an older group of guys in the same little town. And we would play like at the creek and, and stuff. And, uh, you know, playing like six months, not not very much paintball. And I had just gotten like a, the Bushmaster, which was like the metal pump that was above the plastic gun. So I was like parallel with everyone else in my in my, my little peer group, my, like the 10 of us that played. And then uh, a dude was like, hey, I know these guys from the town over. We're going to Sacramento. We're playing this five-man event. They want me on their team because I'm really good. And they said, for me to pick someone, and you're, like, really good, you want to be on the team with me. I'm like, absolutely. I don't know what that means, but I'm totally in. It's like, okay, cool. And I'm like, I'm a 14. 14 or I think what, I'm 14. What year was this? 
uh, I'm old, so I'm gonna say like 90, 89, 90, 89 or 90. You don't look uh, a day I, over 62. Thanks. I, I feel like it. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm like, well, how do I get there? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 14 and my parents aren't going to want to get up at five o'clock in the morning and drive me to the woods in Sacramento and play with all these grizzly old men. You know, all these dudes look like lumberjacks. Um, he's like, Oh, I'll come get you. Like I, I totally got this. So I'm like, okay, cool. So the morning comes and I get a doorbell and I open the door and some dude I'd never known before. He's like, hi, I'm Marty Bush. I'm like, the fuck are you, Marty Bush? You're like <laughs> 15 years older than me. Like, what do you think? What? He's like, I'm here to take you to the event. I'm friends with the guys on your team. I'm like, are they here? He's like, no. I'm like, all Marty right. Bush. Definitely going to get my kidneys harvested, but let's go. So we get in the car. <laughs> And, and I had, I know nothing about tournament. I know nothing about pro. I don't know anything. And he starts telling me he's on the Ironman and he's like their best player. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> I dude. Know what that means. And I'm, and he, and he's, and he was pretty impressed with himself and I wasn't very impressed with them. <laughs> so the whole time he's, you know, so we get to the tournament and I'm thinking, I just want to get away from this guy and play paintball. And we get out of the car and everyone at the event sees him and it's just like, Marty Bush, oh my God. And they come running over to him and want to hear his stories. And he regales them with his stories of winning national events. And he had just gone to England and won a tournament and got like a $10,000 watch for winning this one-on-one event. So like, you know, obviously he's a big deal. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should take this more seriously. So we go and we play this tournament and I've never played on a regulation field before. Never even cornered my gun before. Um, I have my, my, my Bushmaster pump. And four guys that one guy I kind of know played with them once, and three so these old smoker dudes that are smoking like while we walk to the chrono sta- while we walk to the flag station. The dude's like, let me make sure I put that out, not, not start a fire. Just like grizzly old like lumberjack dudes, and me, fourteen. I'm just like, what am I doing here? So they'd always have me go really far because I was like the the fastest kid on the team, and I just shot the shit out of everybody. I think we got like second place, but we should have won, and like the, everyone was just like, who's this kid? So, like, I got a really good response from how I played, and this is, like, the, the first event I got. So we get in the car, Marty drives me back home, and I'm like, so tell me about your team. Like, I, I don't quite understand. Tell me more. He's like, oh, we're the Ironman, and we practice in the Bay Area, and we're, like, really good. And it's like, I should be on your team. It's like, really? I'm like, yeah, I, I, sh- I should be on your team. Like, you should totally – I should be on your team. It's like, well, we're always looking for good players. I'm like, okay, well, here I am. Here I am. <laughs> so full of myself so like delusional of delusions of grandeur he's like well i mean the first step is you gotta start coming to practice i'm like well when's practice he's like we practice like every other sunday like maybe maybe every sunday i'm like well if you can drive me down there um i'm in so he's like okay cool so marty just picks me up drives me down to ironman practice and ironman were such a draw that teams would drive up from la to the bay area like you know like a six hour drive just to be able to play them because they were so good and a lot of times, because it's 10-man and it, you know not all the dudes could come up, mm-hmm. they'd just be like, oh, we only have nine dudes. Oh, well, Micah will be on your team. So then I'd go play on, like, GBD or whatever team had, had driven up from L.A. So, like, with my pump, and they all had autocockers, and that's when the autococker was first out and pretty cool, especially mm-hmm. compared to, like, Bushmaster Splat or Bushmaster <laughs> Pump. Then. So, like, I'm 14, and they just throw me to the wolves, you know, and I'm just, like, getting beat up, like, pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then Marty's a really cerebral person like a very intricate thoughtful and loves to talk person so like from the bay area to where i lived was like a good 45 minute drive so like 
every single time after practice was a super intense like pressure cooker of like Marty telling me what I did right and what, mostly what I did wrong, not really mm-hmm. much of what I did right. And just ultra critical thinking of my game and what I did and what I did wrong and what I did right, but mostly wrong. So so after like a year and a half of like super intensive situation where you know, Mar- I, I wasn't offended by what Marty had to say. I just was trying to soak up as much knowledge as I could because he was clearly one of the best guys in the game. Yeah. Had a really good mind for the game. Um, I just kept soaking it up and soaking it up and soaking it up. And so finally, they, there was an event that they needed a dude for. So I'm like 17 at this point. I've been playing paintball for a year and a half from that tournament from now. And they're like, Micah, do you want to go to this tournament with us? And I was like, heck yeah, I want to go to this tournament with you. So 17 get on a plane, fly to Portland and play a, a pro event. It's my first first pro tournament. So I only played two. I played that one five-man tournament in Sacramento with the, the guys that I never really saw again. Hmm. And then my second event ever was a 10-man pro tournament in Portland with the Ironman. So there's this one, and that was when we didn't wear masks. We just wore the goggles. Oh, yeah. That was scary times. And I'm sure carring wasn't really a big thing back then either. So we played on the woods, and there were just like a string on the tape with like streamers hanging down to denote this is the sideline. There's no netting. Mm-hmm. People would just stand on the sideline and watch. No one, and no one talked. Like it was a cool, it was a different, it was a diff- different vibe. There's more like don't cheat because you're on the honor system. Yeah. There's this one finals field where there's this bunker up in the corner. Like you kind of had to run uphill and behind a rock. And then if you got up there, you could shoot down on basically every spot. But it was really hard to make this spot. And back then I was 17 and the next oldest guy or youngest guy was like, 25 so but most of the dudes were like in their 30s and 40s just like you know drinking beer and giant beards and just crazy old dudes you know they look like lumberjacks they look like crazy road dudes now is this so, before uh, rich and everybody else that was yeah yeah, yeah this, this was before rich. so uh so they would send me up to this 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 spot and like sometimes i would make it and sometimes i wouldn't because it was a pretty hard and i was like the only guy at the tournament that could make it so in the finals for like, you know, we the other team had won their two games. So if we win this game, we win the tournament. But like, you need to go up to that spot. And I'm just like, oh, man, all these guys are depending on me. Like, if I get up there, we're going to win. So I just like, you know, fast as I could, or I skitter up there. I get up there and I make it clean. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. So I lean out the very first time I lean out, I get shot square in the cheek. Like, it hits my teeth. It bounces off. It felt like hot lava on my face. And I'm just like, it whips my head back. And I look at the dudes on the sidelines. I'm like, oh, is that, is that, like, that bounce, dude? I'm like, oh! So I shot everyone and won the tournament. It was awesome. But, I mean, with a, with a normal goggle on, that's going to, or face mask is going to break and I'm going to be out. Yeah. So I'm sure my teeth are a little bit chipped because of it. So, so I got on the Ironman when I was 17, um, played with them for a little bit, and then I met a girl and decided that that was cooler and stopped playing paintball together and just was with this girl. And then after we broke up, I came back and sort of had to fight my way back. So I didn't just go to a five man and meet Marty Bush and get. <laughs> yeah. So, so I got, I got back a hold. Oh, so I got back a hold of, of the guys that were still on the team. Like I was, I became friends with Marty and I became friends with Dirk. Um, so I got a hold of those guys and I was like, Hey, I want to come back. Like, I'm sorry. I kind of, ghosted you guys before that was a term but i want i want to come back so they're cool 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 we got a lot of dudes maybe we'll set up a second team for you and then we'll let you like meticulate up through it you mm-hmm. know like okay cool let's do that so that team was iron man 2 
and that team had like Rich on it. So Rich came from another team, and a lot of the guys that were on the team came from the other team, but they were like their own. Like Constant Pursuit was a pro team from the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what their lineage is or why they were willing to leave or what, what that was like. Chuck Hench ran Constant Pursuit, but I think he was out of the picture. So it was Rich. The Weasel was on that team. Ron Nelson, who ended up playing with Bob's team. Um, it was a real good playing ball player was on that team. And then, uh, yeah, a lot of guys that kind of faded away. So we played on Ironman 2 for a while. Um, and then I just sort of matriculated my way up, got on the pro team. I met, I met up with Davey. And Maddie at Die when we worked at Die, and then we kind of went to the Ironman together as a unit because they were they were good at ten man a year before, and yeah. they were not good before, after that, and they were kind of older. So we were like the young infusion that was going to push the team forward. So it worked out really well. So were you uh, were you you were working at Die this whole time, or were you? Uh, so I. I uh, I didn't like. I went to UC Davis, and I didn't like how little of my paintball peers were there. And everyone lived in San Diego that at the time, so I worked out a deal. So I came down to work for Dai in the summertime, and then I tried to transfer to UC San Diego, but like none of my credits would can't would do it. So it would have added like three more years to my college. And I was just like, just want to get out of here and yeah, get a job or you know start traveling. And school is really bogging me down what were you doing at uh, die you're doing sales uh no i was doing everything just the company was really new so like we did i spent some time in the machining i spent some time in the polishing shop but not very long mostly i did like packed orders and like back then die had this like uh like the logo on the stainless steel barrels was um like a laser transfer so i had this like little like electrolysis thing that i would put a little patch like a rubbery patch and then run this little shaver over and would like transfer the little dye etched logo in the stainless steel i did that mostly and like clean barrels and like we assembled the two-piece barrels and packed orders and that kind of stuff did you glue the barrels together i didn't matt matt that was more of matt's job like i i left and then got a job and that's when the two-piece barrel started being manufactured more yeah. it was like the perfect he it's he took it so seriously because like if you spin it you, you know you get like not a full ring you get like a semicircle or like a half moon in, inside the connection but if you do it just right you get like the perfect connection he was just like it was like a science to him <laughs> he took it so seriously he was so so into it we went to a practice in la one time and uh brahim who was on iron at the time this cool old older dude that everyone loved um eric roberts was pointing his gun at, at at Maddie and he didn't have a hopper on it and for some reason Brahim just like stopped and reached out and grabbed the tip of his barrel and all of a sudden the gun went off and it was aimed right at Matt's eye. Oh <laughs> and my god. Like obviously upset that he almost just lost his eyesight, but but more than anything he was like, dude, that's the eye that I sized the two pieces and put them together just right. Like if you'd shot my eye out, I couldn't have been able to look through the barrel and make it just right. Like <laughs> Yeah, but you almost lost an eyeball. <laughs> yeah, the one that you would just see the world with. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, dude, I mean, you know, throughout at least my paintball career, I haven't really seen too many crazy like injuries that have happened. I, I mean, I've, I've seen a couple, but nothing that was like, 
Like I had a, I had a uh, one of those yellow bunker stakes rip through my hand, and I have a hand that or a, a scar that goes from the webbing of my thumb all the way to the opposite part of like it goes from here all the way down. It was like a knife that just cut through my hand, and then a couple knee things, and then uh, trying to think. Oh, I had I was on aftershock and. One of the guys shot the ground because you know I mean we're so nonchalant at like the paintball field right the game's over everybody lift the goggles whatever. Well, there's this uh, one of the guys on the team his gun goes off hits the ground the shell comes up and hits me right underneath the eye and that's the only time I've been like super close of uh, of like having anything happen to my eyes I'm like super weird about it. But uh, have you had or or seen any kind of like catastrophic have you seen any tanks blow up or like i've we've obviously seen multiple macro lines like just explode all the time but in europe it was like oh six i the story was that he'd put oil in his in his tank like sewing machine oil or something that you're not supposed to get super hot and yeah. then when he f- up it blew the tank up and it ripped his uh like it missed his stomach but it tore his chest open and uh, I was like ten people back from in the airline, and like it was, a, it was, it sounded like a bomb going off, and then there's lots of like ah, and uh, there's a lot of blood too. Like we all thought, oh, that dude died, and then he yeah. showed up. Like, he was on a year like an English team, like an Irish team, I think. It's the skinny blonde kid, and then he showed up like two events later, and was just like, check out my scar, I'm alive. <laughs> We're like, ah! <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so I, I actually I'll take that back. So I do have a story when I was a stupid kid. Um, just started working for a paintball field. It was my first job. Working at a paintball field. Had really no idea kind of what the hell I was doing at anything. A guy comes up. I, being myself, take the initiative of like, oh, yeah, I'll take care of the customer. I'll, you know, I'll figure it out. Um, he comes up and is complaining that his fill nipple is leaking on his uh, compressed air tank. I can fix that. You know, I'll just replace it because he wants it replaced. I'll just replace it. I look at the gauge and the gauge says zero. I'm like, all right, perfect. There's no air in here. So I start to unscrew the fill nipple and it starts pissing. And I'm like, okay, but then it then it like stops. Like, all right, well, that's weird. So I'm like, I'm like sitting like in there's a drop ceiling like about right here. I'm sitting here. And I'm like wrenching on this uh, on this tank on this reg to get this fill nipple off. I, I do it again, and it starts pissing even more. But then it kind of dies down. Like this is so weird. All right, well, it die it dies down, so there there can't be any air in it. The gauge says zero. I, I I trust the gauge. And I do it one more time, and the fill nipple blows past my head, takes the light, the drop ceiling light above me, and flips it over. And it, it was like it was an explosion that happened, and the guy filled his tank like a week earlier. It was a it was a full tank, but his gauge was broken. And I'm sitting back there, like back. And I have no idea what happened. My ears are like ringing, and the tank is still like going off and spinning in the corner. And I'm like, it was like a bullet because I'm I'm sitting here wrenching on it, and it's like sitting right here by my head, and I'm like wrenching on it, and it blew the nipple blew right pla- right past my head, and it was just like thinking about it, I'm like. That could have easily went the other way. And thank God you avoided death's icy grip. Oh, man. That was. All right, it could have been a gnarly scar. I'll make a good story about how you saved a child from a lion. 
or as a dum-dum and like <laughs> trusted some guy that the tank oh my god some of the stuff i did when i was younger i really question <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun nonetheless um hey man i don't want to take up too much more of your time i uh i really appreciate you sitting down and 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 talk with me man it's really good to see you actually yeah yeah you look the same asshole you have like no gray hairs you like you're you look fresh you like you like you it's don't the, have any it's worries funny if you saw me in 1080 you'd think otherwise <laughs> it, man <laughs> you look the same too though ah uh, dude i don't know i feel like crap i feel like i i got hit by a truck that's what i feel like I like that yeah. <laughs> But in general, I feel pretty damn good. Like, for the most part of, like, all the craziness that's been happening and just, you know, I'm, th I'm 35 now, which is... Uh, you don't look yeah. at there, 55. I, that's what I tell myself whenever I, in the in the mornings, every day. Um, <laughs> but it's just, I'm, I'm so fortunate to be able to, like, to have communications with the guys that I used to play with and, and a lot of my mentors back then, and you definitely... 100% being one of them and uh, I, I just thank you very much for everything that you did for me uh, coming up and everything that you taught me everything that you that you paid for that you mentored me on that you kind of guided me in the right direction I I truly truly appreciate it, it means a lot to me I appreciate you saying that and you did a lot of the work yourself I was just there you pointed the finger man you, you <laughs> gave me the direction and I appreciate it so much a pleasure well, um, dude, please keep in touch, and uh, let's uh, not let it be another 200 years before we talk to each other again. That's good. <laughs> All right, man, I'll talk to you soon. Take care of yourself. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Micah. It was a great pleasure, my friend. It was great talking to you. It was great seeing you. One day it will be in person, I hope, very soon. Uh, listeners out there, uh, Mr. McLaughlin is the owner of Davis Paintball. So if you're, if you're ever in Davis, California, and you're looking for somewhere to play some paintballs, uh, go ahead and go to davispaintball.com, and you can find all the hours, directions, pricing, everything you need for a good time at, uh, at Davis Paintball. Hey, another big shout-out to our sponsors. Uh, Melavio CBD Dispensary, the CBD Superstore, the CBD that you want to be with. Melavio. If you guys head over there uh, and check out their website, you can see all of their amazing products and, uh, and give them a try. I promise you will not be let down and I recommend it all. You guys have heard me talk about everything as far as what I use, uh, but I very much encourage you to go out there and try it yourself and really see what works for you. Everybody's different. Uh, also to Halo Sport, this is the two grams of sugar sports drink with all the electrolytes and the uh, micronutrients that you need after a hard day's work, uh, after a hard workout, or after a weekend, uh, or actually a day of practice and a weekend of practice. So the entire weekend. Go ahead and give it a try. Uh, they. Uh, they're doing great stuff over there. They have all kinds of flavors um, from peach to pineapple to uh, blood orange to pink lemonade. It's all delicious. I'm telling you. Give it a try uh, and make sure to use the promo code 
capital TPOP for 10% off. Also to Charm City, Mike Thompson cooking up all the crazy headbands and headgear. Uh, hit him up Facebook and Instagram and you can see his full inventory. But if your little mind is curious about creating your own creation, give him a little, little DM. Give him a little direct message and see uh, and see what you guys can, can, can come up with. I can't talk. My goodness. This incense is making my eyes burn. Um, Alright. And, uh, and yeah, there she blows. That's it. Thank you guys so much. Um, very much appreciated. And, you know, like I said all the time, I'm very fortunate for all my patrons on, uh, on Patreon, on, for all of my listeners who click on the links and listen to my voice for an hour and a half, two hours, um, I'm very grateful. Thank you guys so much. I am really thankful and uh, proud of uh, the podcast and where it is. And I'm uh, I'm just grateful to be able to do something like this and have people actually enjoy it, which is crazy. People listening to my voice and opinion for episode after episode. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you guys. It's it's amazing and. Um, Go play some paintball. Get out there. I'm currently rebuilding an 06 Dynasty NXT Shocker that used to be Cody Smith's old uh, whipper back in the day. I played against that gun, man. It's pretty sweet. Can't wait to get it back up and going. I'm serious about the semi-auto league of, like, 10 years and older guns. Dude, let's go back to that era of, like, tournaments. That was fun. That was sweet. I'm not saying cheater boards, nothing like that. Just put it in fucking semi-auto and let's go play. Let's go fucking play, man. Let's see what happens. Somebody make it happen. I don't have a feel. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. Uh, Please keep your eyes on the road. Do not text and drive. And we'll see you again here soon on the Playing On Podcast. Peace!